Except for hearts singing hallelujah, hallelujah. I've got one response. I've got just one move. With my arms stretched wide. Good morning, church. I'd like to invite you to stand with us as we give praise and honor to the only one who is worthy, Jesus the Christ. Let's sing and celebrate these truths today. Come on. Before the world was made, before you spoke it to be, you were the King of kings. Yes, you were, yes, you were, and now you're reigning still, enthroned above all things. Angels and saints cry out, we join them as we sing. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God forever.
guys have a seat and let's check out what's going on in this week's announcements. Let's check it out. Good morning, Southview. We welcome you here to worship with us today. Here are our three big announcements for this week. The month of September is when we began considering deacons for the upcoming calendar year. We ask you to please prayerfully consider men of strong character and a deep commitment to Christ that you think may be qualified for this very important role. You can submit as many names as you like. Simply text the word DEACON to 910-424-1298. If you want to be part of the Halloween Outreach Church ministry this year and be the light of Christ in your neighborhood, we will have a brief informational meeting on Sunday, October the 8th, following the 11 o'clock service in the Family Life Center. Be sure to join us that day for more information. If you are an active or retired military or veteran or the spouse of one of those that I just mentioned, we want to hear from you. On Sunday, September the 17th at 12.30, there will be a brief meeting in the Family Life Center. We want to get more information from you as to how our church can better serve our military community. Simply text the word LUNCH to 910. 424-1298. We encourage you to download the Southview Baptist Church app from iTunes or Google Play. It will allow you to view other announcements, find a journey group, see previous sermons, or download the notes for today's message. There are multiple ways you can give here at Southview. You can do it safely and securely on our church app, or you can drop your gifts off in the giving boxes located in the sanctuary. If you're a visitor with us today, we really do appreciate you choosing to worship and visit with us. We'd like to get to know you better, and you can help us accomplish that by simply texting the word CONNECT to 910-424-1298, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Let's continue to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we stand and worship through a song. Well, before we do that this morning, I want to take just a second and welcome you. If you're a guest with us, my name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview. It's great to have you today worshiping with us. Before we jump in and we sing together again, I want to begin our time together in prayer. Uh, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, right? And he says to them, pray like this. Our Father... Who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Think about that first line there. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed means holy, special, set apart, sanctified. What's happening here is this. Jesus is teaching how to pray. It's very important. When he's teaching how to pray, he doesn't start with present your needs. He doesn't start with um, tell God your problems. He doesn't start with, you know, talk about the, the craziness of the world. Now, God wants us to present all that to him, and we, we'll see that as you keep going through Matthew chapter 6, but he begins with this. Focus on who God is. When we pray, when you pray, here's what I want you to be your heart, okay? Focus on who God is, not what your needs are. Think about that why would that change things? If the point, the focus of our prayer is who God is and not what my need is, 
That changes how I pray because now my heart is set on God. I know that He is mighty and strong and powerful. I know He's loving and gracious. He's kind. I know that I can present my request to Him because He's mighty to do something about that. He's intimate and close and loves me. He wants to hear my heart. Because I know who God is and I set my heart and my mind on who God is, I'm now empowered to pray much more effectively, much more powerfully, much more faithfully. So for us here this morning as we pray, I want us to start there. Setting our hearts on who God is. Not just what our needs are, not just what we want to see happen, but who is God? Uh, As we think about that, I'd love to just kind of hear your thoughts. When you think about who God is from the Bible, what does the Bible teach God is? What are your thoughts? Anything? What what comes to your mind when you think about who the Bible says God is? What do you think? Abba, our Father, right? Abba, Father, Dad. Who? King of all kings, right? Those two together. He's king, he's mighty, he's glorious, he's strong, and he's our close, intimate dad. Those two things together profoundly impact how you pray. There's nothing too big that he can't handle. And he loves you so much. Man, he's just your good dad. He wants to hear your heart. He wants to take care of his kids. What else? Anything else? Faithful and true. Yahweh. He's our shield. The beginning. The end. He is our all, our everything. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me. I want to give you just a chance to pray. And my encouragement for you this morning is don't present any need to God right now. There's a time and a place for that, and you can do that. But for right now at this second, here's what I want you to do. Just in your own mind, what truth of who God is comes to your mind right now? Maybe it's one that was mentioned. Maybe it's something else. What truth of who God is comes to your mind? And I want you to take just a second Meditate on that. Praising God for who He is. Thanking God for who He is. Setting your heart and your mind on the truth of who our God is. And let that guide you. God, we just thank you. We thank you, God, that you don't leave us wondering who you are. You have clearly revealed yourself in Scripture. This is who you are, your your character, your nature, your ways, your works. I thank you that we can go to the Word and clearly have an understanding of who you are. I ask you, God, today that we would have our hearts and our minds settled on this great truth hearts and our minds settled on God, who you are, how great and glorious, magnificent, amazing you are. Hallowed be your name. Holy, separate, perfect is who you are. And that greatly impacts how we pray, how we worship, how we live. So Lord God, let this truth be be, be so profound in us today. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.
I want to ask you to stand. We're going to worship together. And as we worship, I want those thoughts to be in your mind. Again, as we're singing today, we're focusing on who God is. And as we see him for who he is, it completely changes everything about us. Let's worship together.
bless your holy name today, Lord. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. You gave 
Good morning again to you. If you're a guest with us, again, welcome to you. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview. It's so good to have you with us today. If you got a Bible, uh, I encourage you to find the book of Genesis chapter 2. Um, Genesis chapter 2, if you're new to church, Genesis is right at the beginning. So you just open up the beginning and you should be able to find the book of Genesis there. Chapter 2. Um, so we are... Beginning a new series today uh, called Design. And the idea behind the series is that um, it's, it's God's plan for sex. So we're taking some time here. The next few weeks is going to be about a month, four weeks counting today, where we're going to look at what the Bible teaches on sex. Uh, and to that, um, most people went, wow, I picked a wrong day to visit. That's awesome. Um, but, but this is really important and, and, and because, again, this is an issue that deeply affects and touches every single one of us. It's an issue that deeply affects and touches our society, affects and touches churches. And so having a right biblical understanding of sex and sexuality is profoundly and significantly important for us as followers of Jesus Christ, for us as a church, for those of us you know, as we live in this world. So, so as, we, as we think about things, if you've been here for long, um, we go back to Genesis a lot because it's the foundation for everything, right? It's, it's where everything began, and it sets the foundation for everything else. And the same is true for marriage and sexuality. All of that is rooted there in the teachings of Genesis. And so Genesis chapter 2, we're going to pick it up around verse 22 here in just a second. Um, <clears throat> but you've got creation happening, right? So, so um, creation, God is, is, is creating light and, and, and he's creating um, uh, uh, the moon and the stars and the sun. He's creating the fish and the birds. Day six, he creates uh, cattle. Um, and then after all of that, he embarks on the pinnacle of his creation, Adam and Eve, humanity. And as God creates Adam and Eve, he creates them to be in relationship with him and in relationship with one another. And as they're in relationship with one another, they're also created for sexual intimacy with one another. And so we want to take time to really kind of unpack what that is, what that means, and how that gets lived out. So as we go through this series, I'll kind of give you just a breakdown of what the next few weeks are going to look like, all right? So today... Uh, we're going to um, uh, tackle sex within marriage. We want to just today lay out the biblical foundation for sex and how it fits within the confines of marriage and why that happens, right? We don't want, we don't want to just tell you what not to do or what to do. We want to clearly explain from the scriptures why God set that up as the standard and the plan. And then from there, so we want first to set the foundation, and then in the weeks following, we want to look at how our society, um, some of the common ways that God's plan is being distorted 
and misused. Right? So next week, we'll, um, we'll see uh, um, sex outside of marriage and how that is a distortion of God's design. Uh, on September 24th, um, we'll tackle the issue of pornography. Um, during the first service, I said on September 24th, we're going to come together and look at pornography. I'm like, wait a second, I said that wrong. That's not right. I'm sorry. Wait, 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 my bad. Wait, 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 no. Right, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna tackle the subject of pornography from the scriptures. Um, and then on October 1st, um, we'll uh, um, examine uh, the LGBTQ um, uh, and, and all that comes with that as, again, a distortion of God's design. Um, but as we, as we go through this, here's my honest uh, um, expectation. All right, we're just barely going to scratch the surface with this, okay? Um, I, I do not in any way, shape, or form intend on being able to adequately answer every question and everything and whatever over the next four weeks. It's just not a thing that's going to happen. What I do want is for us to be able to just kind of scratch the surface a little bit and uh, set a, a, a bit of a biblical foundation for us so that we can move forward from here looking to God's Word and to God's people and asking good questions and being able to go to the scriptures and get answers to those questions and really having good conversation and encouragement for one another as we move forward in this extremely, extremely important and significant issue. So as we go into this series, though, again, I, I, I don't plan on answering everything. I don't plan on tackling everything. It's just not possible. However, over the next month, if you can remember one thing that's going to be foundational for all of it, one truth that is foundational for God's design for marriage and sex, and also why the distortions of that are so profound and significant, one truth that I'm going to say to you 14 billion times over the next month is this. Sex is not just a physical act that uses the body. Sex is a spiritual act that uses the body. All right? That distinction is profound, and I need that to sink in, okay? The problem is we view sex like any other physical act, right? right? Eating or breathing or, or, or drinking or whatever, right? It was just a physical thing that you do. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that this is a spiritual act. The Bible is going to tell you that sex is a spiritual act that has spiritual blessings when it is done properly and spiritual consequences when it is done improperly. All right? It is a spiritual act with spiritual implications. Um, one of the illustrations that I'm going to use often um, throughout this series is uh, you equate sex to like fire, right? So, um, so we love a good fire, right? The other day, my, my family and I, we did our you know, first little fire pit for the year, and it was still 100 degrees outside, but it was like, oh, we're still going to do it, right? It's, it's fall. It's fall in the south, which is kind of like a fake fall, right? Which it's kind of fall, but it's going to be 1,000 degrees next week, and so you're like, oh, well, oh. So you're bundled up in a sweater, drinking um, peppermint, you know, lattes as it's 4,000 degrees. But we love fire. But fire is only good within, if it's within the confines of what is safe and right. 
right? So if you set a fire in your house in your fireplace, right? It's good, it makes you, keeps you warm, it's enjoyable, you can cook on it, like it's functional, right? Within the confines of the fireplace, the fire is good. However, if you looked at it and said, you know what? Man, that fire is so great. I want more fire. Let's set the couch on fire. I mean, cause, I mean, if fire in there is good, I mean, more fire's better, right? Let's set the couch on fire. Is that going to be a good thing? No, it's a very bad thing. Right? Because fire is only good when it's in the, it was in the right proper context that it's designed to be in, in your home. If it goes outside of that, now it's going to destroy people and, pe- and places and things. Sex is a good and right and beautiful gift from God when used within its rightly designed context. So what is that? Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. Here's our big idea. Sex is a gift of God to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife Full stop. Okay? I'm nothing if I'm not honest. So I'm going to lay all my cards on the table. You shouldn't be surprised. Like, if you stay with us for the next three weeks and you're going to be like, wait a second, you think that's a sin? I'm not quite sure you know where you are, right? Um, so it should be clear. But I just want to make sure I, I just clarify. Um, Sex is only to be experienced within the confines of heterosexual covenant marriage. That's it. One man, one woman, covenant marriage, that's it. Anything else, anything else is an abomination before God. All the things, anything beside it, on top of it, underneath it, with it, everything all the things. Why is that, though? Again, what we want to do is not just tell you what's a sin and do this or don't do that. We want to get to the heart. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. So God has created, created Adam, looked for a helper, couldn't find one, so he put him to sleep, took out a rib, created Eve. That's where we pick it up in verse 22. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. I want you to look at that last phrase in verse 22. And brought her to the man. Here's what's happening here. You are witnessing in Genesis 2, 22, the very first wedding. So much of what we do in weddings actually comes from the Bible. I know you think we got it from Pinterest. Not true. Most of it actually comes from the Bible, right? Uh, the reason a bride wears white is because as the bride of Christ, the Bible would say we're going to come dressed in white robes. The reason why you exchange vows to one another, unbreakable vows, is because you've entered into an unbreakable covenant with Jesus Christ and salvation, and marriage is a practical um, example of that. The reason that you exchange rings to pledge your love for one another, as as I'm giving you this as a gift to tell you that I'm going to be with you forever, because in the same way the Holy Spirit is given to us as a guarantee that we will be with God forever. The you have a party after a wedding, that's biblical too. 
Because we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. Like literally all this stuff comes from the Bible. Including the dad walking the daughter down the aisle. That's from the Bible. We get it right here in Genesis 2.22. I've told you before, I'm gonna, from, i got two daughters. Um, whenever it's their wedding day, we're going to open up the back doors. And I'm going to look down the aisle. And I'm going to see that little pervert standing there waiting on her. And, uh, and uh, right, I'm going to look at my daughter. I'm going to be like, baby, we ain't got to do this. Like, we can leave right now. If you think I care what these people think, mm, no. We can bolt. But I'm going to walk my daughter down the aisle. And I'm going to come down front. And I'm going to literally give her to her soon-to-be husband as a gift. It's quite literally what's happening. And the reason that I'm going to do that is because that is exactly what God did in Genesis 2.22. He brought Eve to Adam, walked her through, down the aisle of the Garden of Eden, and presented her to her husband. What we see here is covenant marriage coming into existence. God created one Adam and one Eve, and he put them together in a relationship, married covenant marriage. And that is the context in which sexual intimacy is meant to be lived out. It is designed, designed to only be experienced within heterosexual covenant marriage. And that matters. Doing something the way it's designed to be done matters. I'll give you an example. You think design doesn't matter? Imagine you have to go on a business trip this week, so you got to hop on a plane tomorrow morning. All right? You hop on a plane, you're flying, you're about to land somewhere. And, um, you know, as you're beginning your descent, the pilot comes on the radio. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your pilot. We are beginning our descent. Had a nice flight today, bit of a tailwind. Going to get you to the gate a few minutes early, if that's all right with you. I uh, hope you've enjoyed your travel with us and hope you enjoy the rest of your day wherever that may take you. Also, I've decided that I'm sick of landing this plane the way they tell me I have to. So I'm going to try to land it upside down. Now, you're probably not paying attention, right? You're watching Netflix, something you downloaded on your phone, you're just, and all of a sudden you go, wait, what did he say? Did he just, did he just say he was going to land it? You're hitting that little button. Excuse me. Why? Because a plane is designed to land in a very specific way. Right? That's the whole point. It is designed to land very specifically. Same with everything else. Same with sex. It is designed by God. To fit very neatly and specifically within the confines of just covenant marriage. And that is it. And if you jump down to verses 23 and 24, it tells you why. This is where the rubber meets the road for us. I want you to really listen for the next couple of minutes, okay? This is where this actually starts to make sense. And this becomes more than just do this and don't do that. Verses 23 and 24 begin to unpack for us why sex is just for the confines of covenant marriage. Look at verse 23. 
then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The reason sex is just to be within the confines of covenant marriage is because it is the physical manifestation of a deeper spiritual reality. Here's the truth. I tell couples when they get married this. A man and a woman walk in for their wedding, and they are separate humans. They go through their marriage ceremony, and they leave also as separate individual people with one massive difference. They have now, in God's eyes, in some spiritual, supernatural, miraculous, and mysterious way, God has created between that man and that woman one flesh. They have now become literally one. In fact, if you look back up at verses 23 and 24, look at all the oneness language. Let me just kind of break it down for you. Verse 23 says, He's bone, she, she is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Now, for Adam and Eve, it was literally a rib was taken out and formed Eve. But it's speaking of a deeper spiritual reality where he's saying, look, this is the closest of most intimate human relationships. We are one now. We are connected. We are linked together. Verse 23 also, it says that she shall be called woman. The word woman literally means out of me or mine. Adam is looking at her and saying, She's a part of me. She is me. We are connected. She is mine. Verse 24. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife. That word hold fast means to cling closely as the most important and significant of relationship that you would have. Never, ever, ever letting go. And then it's almost sort of the exclamation point at the end. Verse 24. Look at this. This is the most important phrase. If you have a pen, underline it. And they shall become one flesh. Let's unpack that just for a second. In the Hebrew, that phrase one flesh literally means a mingling together of the soul. What is happening when you get married is that God is taking two separate individual people And he is literally gluing your souls together. Right? He is is connecting you and cementing you and mingling and intertwining your souls together in a spiritual, miraculous, mysterious way. This is why in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus quotes this verse when he's teaching on marriage and divorce. He says, here's why you shouldn't get divorced. Because what God has joined together, no one can separate. Here's what he's saying there. I want you to listen to me. You know why divorce hurts so bad? Divorce does not just hurt because that person um, wounded you in some way. And divorce isn't just hard just because it's difficult for the kids. And divorce isn't bad just because it's financially tough. What makes divorce so agonizing is according to the Bible you're literally having your soul ripped apart 
And if you've ever walked through that, you can to that probably say yes and amen. I love it when the Bible gives language to what you've been feeling. You're like, yes, that's it. That's exactly what it felt like. It felt like your soul got ripped open. Because according to the Bible, it literally did. This is why, again, when we think about this idea of sex, this is why the Bible is so profoundly and specifically clear on this. Physical sexual intimacy is just to be experienced within covenant marriage because that is meant to be the physical representation of the deeper spiritual reality. God cemented and mingled your souls together. So then he gave you the gift of sex to physically live out the deeper spiritual truth that's in you both of you. Make sense? Right? This is why it matters. This is why it's that. It's not just, again, if it's just this physical thing that you can or can do, can or cannot do, Right? Do this or don't do that. Or, or you know, uh, I remember growing up in the, in, in the 90s during the, you know, true love waits movement, which you know, there's a lot of great things with that, and, and, and the heart behind it was, was, I think, right on and pure. But what happened with a lot of that was it just became this make sure you don't do that thing. Well, why not? Well, because it's bad. It's a sin. Okay. Well, why is that? Well, because it just is. Right? So don't do it. Okay. Well, but there's a deeper truth that, that, that gives that command power. Why should we not do that? Well, because it's just created for, for, for covenant marriage. Because it is given to us as the physical outworking, the physical manifestation, the physical plaguing out of the deeper spiritual reality of your souls being mingled and cemented and glued together. So it only fits within that context. And so that's why anything outside of that, and we'll look at it in the, in the weeks to come, why that's such a distortion and so dangerous and so destructive because you're taking something that was meant for this and turning it into something it was never supposed to be. It is the equivalent of setting your couch on fire because the fire in your fireplace looks so nice. It's not designed to be that. So now let's do this. So let's think about it for a second. Um, so God gave physical intimacy to a husband and a wife to be enjoyed and expressed as a physical manifestation of the deeper spiritual reality, okay? But here's my question. I honestly believe a large number of Christian couples would probably describe their sex life as broken, not great. They're not experiencing the fullness of God's gift in that. So the question I want us to, to tackle just for a quick second is, why is that? Why is that? What's happening there? And what does God want to say to us about it, okay? I believe that God's word speaks to this. I believe God wants to address this. So I want us to really think through it, okay? 
So first is this. So if you look at Genesis chapter 2 again, verse 25, I want you to see what's happening. Before sin entered the world, Adam and Eve had unhindered intimacy. Unhindered intimacy. Genesis 2.25. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Right? Complete and total, unhindered, unfettered intimacy. Right? No shame, no guilt, no separation, nothing. However... If you know the story, what happens is this. The serpent comes in, deceives Eve. Eve eats the fruit, gives to Adam. Adam eats the fruit. They both fall into sin. And then you pick it up in chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 7 shows us this. After sin, Adam and Eve had immediate division, relationally and sexually. Look at chapter 3, verse 7 of Genesis. After eating the fruits, then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. I want you to hear this, okay? The very first consequence of sin was broken relationship between a husband and a wife. That was the very first thing that happened. Immediate division between a husband and a wife. Emotionally, Relationally and physically, division. One of the very first schemes of the devil was to break apart intimacy between a husband and a wife. It's one of his very first schemes. To bring division and separation and cut off the intimacy between a husband and a wife. And that scheme has not changed. He still seeks to do that today. You ready for this? The physical relationship between you and your spouse is a frontline spiritual issue. It is a spiritual issue. And I want you to think of it like that. What causes so much difficulty, I think, in walking through this is, again, we just view it physically. Right? This thing that we should, you know, do or have more of or not enough of or whatever becomes physical. Right? We treat it like a vitamin D deficiency. Right? Well, you need more of that, so go do more of that and everything will be better. Well, it's not the way that works. Why? Because sex is a spiritual issue, not just a physical one. It is not just a physical act of the body. It is a spiritual act that uses the body. Sex in a marriage is like a thermometer more than a thermostat. Right? You know the difference? A thermometer tells you what the temperature is. A thermostat changes the temperature. Sex is a thermometer. Right? More of that doesn't change really anything in your relationship. What it does is it, it shows you what the temperature already is. It, it gives you insight as to where things already are. What I want you to see, and here's my, here, here's my earnest desire for us, is again, seeing the physical relationship between you and your spouse as ultimately a spiritual issue and not a physical one. God desires for you to grow in intimacy with Him. And as a result of growing in intimacy with Him, you will grow in intimacy with one another. In whatever shape, form, or fashion that looks like. A physical relationship with one couple is going to look completely different than that with another one. Right? For a thousand different reasons. The point isn't that it looks similar or the same or at all. 
That's not it. Uh, there was um, a, a church down in Texas several years ago. They did a sex series. <laughs> and um, one of the hooks that they had was um, they were throwing out uh, a 30-day sex challenge. And what they said was they were challenging all the married couples in their church to be physically intimate with one another every day for 30 days during the series. I know guys in the room are like, are we doing that? Are we, are we doing that? Tell me, best church ever, are we doing that? Uh, no, no, we're not. We're not, we're not doing that. Here's, here's why we're not doing that. Um, I think the fact that the church did something like that shows that they really have no understanding of what the Bible teaches on any of this. Again, they're just viewing it all physically and not spiritually. Right? Again, it's a, it, it's a vitamin D deficiency. Take more vitamins and you'll be good. Well, you just don't have enough of that. Do more of that and you'll be good. No, it's a, it's a spiritual issue. Right? There's something in the hearts that God wants to deal with. Again, what do we tell you all the time? Christianity is more about your heart than your hands. It's not about just the things you do. It is about your heart. And if your heart is right, your hands will eventually follow. Same thing with you and your, and your spouse. It's about your heart. It's a spiritual and not physical. And so what I want for the married couples in our church, more than anything, what I want for us is that we would be men and women totally and completely surrendered to Jesus Christ, totally and completely surrendered to the work of the Spirit in our lives. And as a result of that, we are walking in intimacy with the Lord and through that, greater intimacy with our spouse. And then whatever happens physically from that happens physically from that. Because sex is spiritual more than it is physical. Sex is about the heart way more than it is the hands. So, for you and I, where are we at with this? Um, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. What I want us to do is search our hearts because here's the great truth. You ready? If, if it's a spiritual issue, then that means the answer is always Jesus. Right? My, my desire for us in this series is not to help lay out for you five steps for a better marriage. My desire for us in this series is to lay out for you the 5,000 steps Jesus took to take your sin to Calvary. And as you see Jesus for who he is, the fact that he died for you and he made you new and he has forgiven you, so now you're able to forgive your spouse and you're able to walk in intimacy with your spouse because God has created intimacy between you and him. When we see this, it changes everything. If there's forgiveness that needs to be given between you and your spouse, you're able to give that now because of Jesus and who Jesus is. If you're hindered in intimacy in your marriage, because you're ashamed of your body. Well, Jesus is the answer for that too. When you really see that it's spiritual and not physical, it changes everything. When you see that your value and your worth is not determined by what you see in the mirror, but by Jesus, it changes it. And so now what used to hinder you 
no longer does because Jesus has taken away that. I don't, I don't worry about that as my ultimate, my, my value, my worth, my meaning, my identity. Everything is found in Jesus and not what I think of myself physically, so that doesn't have to hinder anything. Like it truly changes everything. When you see Jesus, for how glorious and beautiful and amazing he is, when you see Jesus as the source of your value and your worth and your meaning, when you see Jesus as the one who's made you new, Jesus is the one who is the center focus of your marriage. When you see this, it just changes it all. So as we think about this, as we think about searching our hearts, here's what I want us to do today. I want to give us an opportunity today to, uh, again, search our own hearts and let God speak to us. Uh, I want to give you a list of questions just to kind of think through. They're also on the app. You can pull that up on the app and, ha- and uh, look at those this week as, if you want to pray through these later this week as well. But what I want to do is just begin the process of us, again, searching our own hearts and asking God to search our hearts and growing in intimacy and, and faithfulness in the Lord. And then as a result of that, allowing that to impact and change your marriage. So just some things to think through, some questions to think through. Again, if, 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 if sex is more spiritual than physical, then let's think through the spiritual things that could possibly bring division in a marriage. Questions to think. One, have you offended your spouse in any way but have not asked them to forgive you? You see how that could hinder things? Two, are you harboring the slightest bit of unforgiveness toward your spouse? Three, is there any unresolved conflict in your marriage? Four, husbands, do you daily seek to spiritually lead your wife by praying with and for her? Wives, do you daily pray for your husband and exhibit a quiet and submissive spirit toward him? Six, Have you spoken negatively about your spouse to anyone? Seven. Have you placed any priority other than God above your spouse? Eight. Is there any sexual immorality in your life that needs to be immediately repented of and forsaken? Nine. Do you have any unhealthy emotional connection with someone that needs to be repented of and broken off? And 10, do you need to trust God for forgiveness for your own past sexual sin or healing for past sexual abuse and now enjoy your marriage intimacy free from guilt, shame, and woundedness? What I want you to see again is when we see this design of God. God designed sexual intimacy to be the physical outworking of this deeper, profound, mysterious union that He has created between you and your spouse. 
your souls literally mingled and cemented together. And what I want to encourage you to do is take time just to search your own heart, just like we saw there in that Psalm 139. Search my heart, O Lord. Search me, O God. See if there be any way in me that is wrong, that is grievous, that is beyond, and lead me in the everlasting way. Also, um, the greatest division that sin has brought is not between you and your spouse, but between you and God. Your sin has, has, has brought separation between you and God. And as a result of that, you are, the Bible would say, an enemy of God, a rebel against God. But Jesus Christ came and he died and he rose again so that you can be set free from your sin and made right with God in intimacy again. Today, maybe you need to come to faith in Christ and become a Christian. You need to get saved. Forget the intimacy between you and your spouse. There's no intimacy between you and God. That is divided and that is broken because sin But Jesus Christ came to take away that sin and to make you right with God. Today, trust by faith in Jesus Christ and be saved. Jesus came and he died on the cross for your sin. He was buried and he rose again. Trust in Jesus to take away your sin and to make you new. And as you do that, ask him to also bring greater intimacy and connection and union with you and your spouse so that you can experience all that God's created for you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me. I want to pray. We're going to end our time today worshiping. God, I just pray for us right now. I pray for those who today need to trust by faith in you, Jesus, for salvation. I ask you, God, that you would do that in them. God, that you would bring them to faith in you, Jesus. They would see their need for you right now at this moment, and they would say, Jesus Christ, change me and make me new. Now, I pray, God, for those who are believers in Christ. I pray, God, today that they would ask you to continue to search their hearts. And if there's any sin or separation between them and their spouse, I pray, God, that you would show that, bring clarity to that. Whatever needs to be confessed or repented of will be done. Whatever needs to be talked through will be talked through. Whatever just needs to be forgiven will be forgiven. That you'll bring union and intimacy between husbands and wives in this room. That the relationship will be restored the way you have created it to be. They would live out this mingling together of souls that you have accomplished. Do this, Jesus, in us today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together.
with our spouses doesn't doesn't begin on a physical level it actually ends there but it starts with a spiritual intimate relationship with you and so father i pray for every soul in this room that that would be made true of that for those that know you today god that you would just grow that relationship in you together with them and father for those that don't know you today i pray that they would hear the gospel that has been preached and would respond for your glory, for your righteousness. You are wonderful and an awesome, mighty God, and we praise your holy name. In the name of Christ, we say these things. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.